Guys, you definitely need to be thanking your mom for how she's influenced your microbiome. I'm going to tell you why on this episode of Short Stories of Bacteria. So it turns out there's actually a whole bunch of reasons why um, we should say thanks to our mom, not just um, because of the bacteria, but the bacteria is actually a really, really cool story. And so we're going to talk about that today. In today's story, it's going to interrelate with a whole bunch of other concepts in biology and biochemistry, especially how, especially the interactions between moms and babies as the babies are growing inside the mom. So that's what we have in store for you guys today. But first, I wanted to say welcome to each and every one of you guys, both the newcomers and the oldcomers. Um, this is another episode of Short Stories of Bacteria with me, your host, Dr. K. Um, in this podcast, we discuss the lives of the tiny and infamous, that would be the incredible and awesome bacteria. Um, welcome aboard. Um, if whilst you're here, you could give us a five-star review and be sure to hit that follow button and possibly share with your friends and family, that would be super, super cool and it really helps the podcast going. But Enough of the logistical stuff, Dr. K. That sounds just super, super boring. Let's move on to this actual really, really cool story. It actually came out um, in October of last year. That would be 2023. Um, but before we jump into the actual story, the actual paper, I want to give a little bit of background as to the interactions between moms and babies and this really, really cool biology and biochemistry involved in this. Um, it turns out, uh, you guys may be very, very aware of this at this point, that babies are in fact very, very reliant on their moms in order to survive when they are in the womb. I mean, they also tend to be um, when they come out of the mom, but especially when they are in the womb, right? One example of this, and like I mentioned, there's so much really, really cool biology that goes on here, but one example of this um, is how the baby gets access to oxygen. This is actually, so in my biochemistry class, this is one of my favorite lectures that I give um, to my students, there's a whole bunch of ones, but this is one that's really, really cool because it shows the really neat relationship between the mom and the baby and how they're linked biologically. So how is it that a baby gets oxygen um, at the end of the day? Because the baby doesn't have access to oxygen the same way that you or I has access to oxygen. We just breathe it in and then we breathe out CO2, right? That's essentially what we do. But the baby doesn't have that ability. It doesn't have access to air the same way that we have access to air. So how is it that a baby is able to get oxygen? And this all hinges on the mom. So in our blood, we have a protein called hemoglobin, a protein called hemoglobin. That was one of the first, like actually just thinking back, that was one of like the first biology words that I ever learned growing up. And I thought it was just the most hilarious word hemoglobin. I thought it was super, super hilarious. But anyway, we have in our blood a protein called hemoglobin. Hemoglobin is a protein, and what its job to do, what it does, is it picks up oxygen, and then it drops it off in other locations, okay? So whenever we breathe in, all the hemoglobin in our lungs picks up all the oxygen that just rushed into our lungs, right? And then it leaves the lungs and then travels throughout the rest of the body, dropping off oxygen. And so in this way, all the cells at different peripheral parts of our body, like our muscles or our, I don't know, our hands, our feet, all these different things, after the hemoglobin leaves the lungs, then it's able to drop oxygen off at each of these locations to make sure that those cells behave properly, right? So that they can do energy and all these different things. So that's very, very cool. Um, but as we mentioned before, babies don't 
do that. They don't have access to the air the same way that we have access to the air. They can't just take a big old deep breath and then suck in all the oxygen, right? So how is it that it gains access to the oxygen? And it has to do with this, with this, with this thing, with this hemoglobin thing. Okay. So as it turns out, babies also have their own version of hemoglobin. But what's really interesting is that baby hemoglobin has a higher affinity or it pulls on oxygen a little bit more than mom hemoglobin does. Okay. And so what this turns out to do, what this turns out doing is there's a little interface where the mom's hemoglobin, just chock full of oxygen, runs by the baby's hemoglobin, which is now out of oxygen. And because that baby's hemoglobin has a higher affinity, because it pulls a little bit harder on the oxygen than the mom's hemoglobin, it pulls a little portion of that oxygen from the mom's hemoglobin into the baby's hemoglobin. Okay? So the the mom's hemoglobin is giving some of its oxygen away to the baby hemoglobin, and then the baby hemoglobin can then travel through the rest of the baby's body just like a normal hemoglobin would, and then give oxygen to those growing cells. So it's really, really cool. So every single time that a pregnant mom is breathing in, she's also giving oxygen through this hemoglobin exchange method. She's giving oxygen to the baby as well. Right? So that's super, super cool. It's absolutely mind-blowing how interconnected the mom and the baby are and how much the baby is reliant on the mom. And it's not just oxygen. A lot of nutrient systems are, work this way too. It's a really, really cool, um, really, really cool set of concepts. So at this point, you're like, okay, that makes total sense, Kevin. But I think we all kind of know that. Mom relies, or the baby relies on mom in order to survive. That makes total sense. And maybe it's really, really cool that it works through this hemoglobin fashion, right? Um, But this is supposed to be about bacteria. So how do bacteria fit into this? And this actually gets into this fundamental question then. If the mom is giving, excuse me, if the mom is giving so many important nutrients, like including oxygen, right, to the baby, do they bestow any other benefits on the baby, like through their microbiome, right? Does the microbiome of the mom, for example, influence the development of the baby, right? And that's a really, really good question. And there's a group out of the University of the University of Helsinki, um, as well as a bunch of other institutions actually were involved in this paper as well. Um, but the, in particular, the main group was at the University of Helsinki, and what they were doing last October is they were starting to see they were asking this question: If you took away the microbiome of the mom, right? Does that impact the development of the baby, right? If you get rid of the microbiome of the mom, does that impact the development of the baby? The mom is giving, is, um, giving so much to the baby already does, is one way that she gives stuff to the baby through her microbiome. Does that involve in any way? So this is really, really cool. Um, and the way they were doing this is they were using something called germ-free mice. Now germ-free mice, um, you may have heard them heard of them before. Um, But all a germ-free mouse is, it's not just one that has gotten rid of all the bad bacteria, it gets rid of all bacteria. So a germ-free mouse is a mouse that has been totally sterilized. There's There's no bacteria or anything like that on the mouse at all. Okay? So it has no microbiome. And so what these researchers did is they looked at the development of a baby mouse when the mom was germ free or when the mom was germ-full. So um, they looked at the development of the baby, whether or not the mom had a microbiome or didn't have a microbiome. 
And what they found was actually really, really cool. So they found that there were some really major changes in the genetic profile of these mice. And there's a lot of change in how um, certain parts of the mouse are regulated. So like, for example, there were big changes in how the placenta was regulated in the mom. There were a whole bunch of components of the baby that were totally misregulated, like the brain, even like the immune system, stuff like this. So if you got rid of the microbiome of the mom, if you made a germ-free mouse, and this had some negative impacts on just the environment in which the baby mouse was growing, um, it was a, had a negative impact in how the baby developed by itself. There's a whole bunch of problems that were associated when you got rid of this microbiome. Now, why is that the case? Why is it that um, getting rid of this microbiome of the mom influences the baby? So they're still like trying to tease this apart because there's a whole bunch of the microbiome was involved in so many different things as we are, we are all learning as we go through this podcast, right? Um, but one thought they had, and this is where they're kind of moving right now, is that it turns out that the microbiome, as bacteria are digesting their own food and just kind of living their lives, they're releasing this enormous um, library, this enormous complex mixture of things called metabolites. So these are just kind of offshoots of bacterial metabolism, right? And that as these metabolites are being released into the environment around the mom and around the baby, right, that their two bodies, right, are having their genes be influenced by the presence of these metabolites. So the presence of these metabolites are altering the way that a lot of the genes involved in the mouse and the mom are being regulated. So that's really, really, really cool. And that's, it's thought, right, that those genetic changes culminate in those changes that we saw. You know, the changes the, the weakening of the placenta or the, the weakening in the immune system or the changes in the development of the brain, right? Now, what was really interesting as well is that these changes happened to play a bigger role. There are more significant changes in the case of the male mouse. And though they were more susceptible to issues with development if, the, if, it, if they were dealing with a male baby mouse. So that's very, very interesting. And so that means, guys, you definitely need to be thanking your mom for her microbiome because if she didn't have her microbiome, it is totally possible that your brain wouldn't have developed particularly well. Or maybe, I don't know, your immune system would be totally shot. So very, very cool stuff. So if we're going to take all this together, let's quick put a bow on this and then we can get out of here. Um, number one, the development of a baby is super, super profoundly contingent on the mom. Right, and this ranges from nutrients to oxygen to microbiomes. Now, the mom's microbiome, number two, the mom's microbiome is theorized to play a key role in the development of the baby. That was the, the working hypothesis here. And finally, number three, if you removed the mom's microbiome, in the case of mice, right, if you made a germ-free mouse, then this led to degradations, in, in particular in males, of things like the brain, the placenta of the mom, and even the immune system of the mouse. So what a cool thing. It's so cool already. I mean, I'm already super excited just at the notion of how, um, how reliant the baby is on the mom and the interplay and the biology and the biochemistry between those two. But it's also really, really neat how so much of the development, or I guess how the mom is able to help mediate that development, right, comes through her own interplay with her own microbiome. So very, very cool stuff. I'm sure there's tons and tons of other things and tons of other ways that the 
microbiome of the baby and the microbiome of the mom are connected, but we'll have to push that for another episode for another day. Um, but until then, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you guys all had a wonderful time. I hope you guys all learned something. Um, I certainly had a wondrous time. Um, but in any event, thanks guys for tuning in, and I will see you all again next week on another episode of Short Stories and Bacteria. Bye.